Uh, when I saw the other one o'clock sessions, I thought, man, is it too late for me to cancel and go to some of those? So, uh, but thanks for being here. I'm excited to spend some time talking about how we use uh, our resources. I'm Brad Mockery, my high school principal at Grand Rapids Christian. Hi, it's my fifth year. Um, before that, I was a Spanish teacher for a long time, coached football. We have a January term, uh, Winterum. I coordinated that. Uh, and did some curriculum work. So I've had a, a variety of roles. Um, also do some side stuff with um, what we're going to talk about, building schedules and intervention and how we think about resources. So uh, I think it's a really interesting conversation. And depending on the level you teach and your role in the school, um, you know, everybody's going to feel a little differently about it. But I think there'll be something for everybody. So how many of you are high school folks? Middle school and elementary. Okay, just a few. So again, depending on your level, it's going to be we're going to think a little differently about uh, how we use um, our resources. Really, the overarching concept we're talking about is how we're going to use our resources to make sure we're accomplishing the things that we want to accomplish, the things that are most important to us. So um, I'm going to open us in prayer, and then we can dive in. Let's pray. God, thanks for the opportunity to be here. Uh, thank you for uh, this conference and those who have worked hard to uh, put it together. Uh, Lord, we thank you for Christian education and for these Christian educators. God, it's a tough time to teach and lead. Um, and we thank you for the calling that you've put on our lives and for uh, the work that's ahead of us. Uh, forgive us when we have oversimplified education um, and help us to zoom out a bit and think about uh, the things that, uh, that we need to consider as we use resources to serve kids. Uh, thanks for calling us to this work, God, and bless our time together. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I didn't know what to call the session. Um, there's a lot of different names I, I could have uh, thrown out there, but really we're talking about how you use time as a resource. Uh, you have time, you have people, you have physical space. Uh, and we're going to focus most on time today, right? And trying to rethink, um, are we doing the best we can to, um, to do what we want to do? Uh, so our goals for the day, we're going to discuss our responsibilities as Christian schools in creating a schedule. So we want to think Christianly about how we use time. Uh, we want to explore a variety of variables to consider, and they're real, and they're different for each one of you. Uh, we want to examine specific ways that we might create flexible time in a schedule and then think about if there's barriers to change. So those are our, our rough goals. Some things that um, I'm just going to assume, right, we call them norms in our school, but that will drive our conversation. Uh, change is hard and healthy. Uh, the, the more you research change in school... Uh, I am convinced there's no harder place to make changes. Uh, you know, at the high school level, uh, we get a student as a freshman, and they, uh, they learn from the grade ahead of them. That grade learned from the grade ahead of them. They use the same language. They have the same expectations. And when you make changes, um, they just are shocked that you might want to do something differently. And that's only the kids, right? Um, change is the hardest, I believe, for us adults. It's a rare profession. Um, we, we all interned in our own profession from ages 4 through 22. And we loved it. That's why we're still here. Right? And so it worked for us. What we did was great. 
Um, and so to think about change, to think about disrupting what, lo what we love, what's home for us, that's really hard. Um, and that's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Um, it means that we've done a lot of things really well, things that we value and are important to us so hard. Uh, we have to acknowledge that there's pain in change, and we don't just brush that off, especially as an administrator. Sometimes I want to just say, doggone it, we're moving on. Forget about it, quit complaining, but that's, that's not that easy. Um, conflict is hard, but also healthy. Uh, the, there'll be some talking here about how we collaborate, um, and we owe it to our families, actually, I believe, to have some conflict amongst us as adults. That's how we learn and grow. There's not going to be a perfect schedule, uh, and really three and four are saying the same thing. Just because we do something at Grand Rapids Christian, it would be silly to think that that's the perfect schedule for Granville Calvin Christian, or Ileana Christian, or East Grand Rapids Public Schools, or whatever that may be. Um, we, we need to pick schedules that fit the things we value, right? The things that are most important to our community. Now, you should, you should pause and say, what do we really value? What's the most important to us? And, and are those unspoken values that I just think everybody agrees with? Or are they really the values of our school? Uh, that's a whole other talk, but it's, it's an important one. Um, and then I want to be careful. I think sometimes when we give these talks, you know, we, it sounds like these things are going perfectly at my school. That's not the case, right? And so don't assume that just because we do something that there's not hard stuff about it. Right? And so I'll be real about that today. I'll tell you where we still stumble um, and, and how hard it was to do some of the things that we've wanted to do. Um, there, there's a couple verses that are not going to be new to you, but um, I've had some aha moments around rethinking educational leadership, and uh, some of them have happened in public school conferences. I don't know if any of you have done solution tree stuff. Anybody been to any of those? Um, I remember sitting at my first Solution Tree Summit. It's a, it's a summit about collaboration. How do we work in teams to make sure all students learn? And I, it was like a, a dagger. You know, I'd been in Christian education for 15, 16 years, and um, the topics that these hardcore public school advocates were talking about, I felt were more Christian than the things that I was fighting for in my Christian school. Uh, and so I think we have to... We have to push against the assumption that just because we're private Christian schools, the way we do things is the most Christian. That's a little crass to say. It's oversimplistic. But we need to be able to think innovative to serve kids um, and to really think about maybe the biggest challenge today is to remember that each student is different. Uh, and we, we can't oversimplify and say we can't make something special for each kid. Um, and so a couple of verses that I think remind us of this. First Peter 4.10, each of, you should, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Um, one of my deep hopes from our school, for our school, is that students are discovering gifts. That they're not daily getting the message that they're not good enough. Uh, that they find things to celebrate that they're, um, they're self-assessing and they're seeing growth. And they know that they can learn. Um, and that even if they don't love math, there's other stuff that they do love that we affirm and celebrate. Um, and a similar theme about our differences, 1 Corinthians 12.12, 12, just as one body, 
Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Um, we know this as Christians, right? We, we love that God made us all different. Every person in this room likes something different, is good at different things. Um, if you're part of an administrative team, it, it works best if you have different strengths, challenge each other, you support each other. Um, and so we want to really think about, are we... Do we really believe this? And if we do, have we set up our schedules accordingly? All right, so what I'm going to do now, it's going to feel like bad pedagogy, but I'm basically just going to throw out a list of things that I hope we could just agree on. Um, And then later I'll say, okay, if we do agree on these things, what does that mean for how we do school? Uh, And it might challenge us to rethink whether the way we're currently doing school um, is appropriate. Uh, And I'm going to talk about daily schedule, um, but I also would encourage us to think about calendar schedule. I mentioned that I coordinated our our winterim, and we have this January term, two weeks between semesters, uh, and that is far from perfect. Uh, There's stuff that we do in winterim that, to be honest, it's a little fluffy, and I don't know that I would pay tuition dollars for it. I have my kid do it. Um, But... There are amazing things that change kids' lives. I remember the first year we did winter, I had a parent call me, senior parent, and said, literally in tears, this is the first time since preschool that my kid has felt like he is good at something and can't wait to get to school. Um, and it was a, they were painting a mural at a local public school, right? And, and he had the autonomy to just do it. Right, and to lead and to do something different than he's ever been able to do in school. Um, and so that's, it's just, we're going to talk about semester, day-to-day, daily stuff, but thinking about uh, exploratory weeks and um, the way you celebrate things in different months of the year, I think those are, those are part of this conversation, right? Where do we put our focus? Okay, so... Let's be real informal. Um, if you want to push back, maybe push back isn't the right way to say it, but if you're like, hey, well, what about this? Or I'm not, I'm not sure that we agree. Let's have some conversations and dialogue, okay? Otherwise, we're just going to go through the list, and then after that, we're going to look at them and say, if we agree, then what do you think? Okay. Uh, we call ours chapel, but hopefully we can agree that at a Christian school, we've got to have some time... Uh, where we gather together and we grow and we glorify God and we prepare kids to go out, right? We have have some time on our schedule fixed for that. And that looks different in different schools. Um, Anybody here from Unity Christian in Hudsonville? I think they have chapel like every day, which is really cool. That wouldn't work the way we're set up, uh, but it's, it's cool. Like just because we don't do that, they should never change that. Um, spiritual formation should align with our values. So that time, or whatever time we have set aside, should match the things that we think are most important about our spiritual walk. Um, we'll, we'll dive in more later, as I said. Uh, teachers should collaborate. So we are professionals. Just like if you work... Um, on a team of financial planners and you bounce ideas about where are we going to invest our clients' money, we don't want to make decisions in isolation about what's best. Um, And research would say we should collaborate, right? We should work together. Um, And some of you don't have a team. How many of you already work on a team? 
So a lot of you don't. How many of you are complete singletons? All right, some of you are non-voting members, but you're somewhere in between. Okay. Uh, we want to educate the whole child. This is a Christian education thing to say, but of course we do, right? We want to make sure that socially, emotionally, spiritually, uh, that they're strong, physically, not just that we're thinking about academics. Uh, we don't all enjoy the same things. So some of us like different things. We get fired up about different things. We're passionate. Uh, students deserve some choice. And you can, you can zoom in in a classroom and say we need to give them some choice about how they demonstrate that they've learned a standard. And maybe zoom out and say we should give them. There's plenty of room if you guys want to come in. Um, we should zoom out and say you should have some choice maybe about what class you take. Right? But in general, student choice is going to engage them. This is kind of a strange uh, sentence. What I'm, what I'm saying here is like when I taught Spanish, there's some kids that I could literally just pass in the textbook and they were going to get an A. Right? They just, they could learn from anyone. Um, and more of me wasn't necessarily helpful for them to master the standard. Um, and that's, I don't love the way that's written, but that's what that's getting at. There's some kids that don't need more time. Uh, some students, and this is different from school to school, we have a lot of kids in our school that we know there is a 0% chance that when they go home, anything can get done. They play another parent role. They, um, you know, they have siblings with severe needs that just make chaos in the home. Sports, Sports right? Uh, some kids work and play sports, and, you know, whatever that may be. Uh, but some students just aren't going to do a lot when they leave our building. Uh, can we agree that accountability is important? Right? We want students to do the things we've asked them to do. Um, this is one that's like a whole other conversation. Uh, it's a whole other presentation. This is something I feel passionate about, but, again, um, I have colleagues and some of my best friends that don't, but when we enter a grade, and you're lucky, you elementary people, middle school, kind of, you have to think about it. Um, but we want it to represent how they're doing on the goals for the class. We don't want it to represent how kind they are, and some of you are going to disagree. We don't want it to represent how timely they are, um, how many boxes of tissues they brought to class for extra credit, uh, whether they brought cookies. There's all those things historically that have gone into a grade. Um, this is the, what we value, and we can talk more about that. Uh, we need to teach behaviors, academic and social. So um, I'm guessing in a lot of your schools, you're, you're seeing COVID kids, right? You see kids that appear to be two grades, younger, more immature, um, and behaviors frustrate us, right? Um, I have a, a nine-year-old in my home, my son, who I just we can't get on top of his behavior. Um, but when you really research student behavior, they need to be taught. There's skills attached to those behaviors that those students are lacking um, that simply telling is not teaching. Um, so just like we would teach the Pythagorean theorem, and then if a student didn't learn the Pythagorean theorem, Hopefully we would try to help. We would intervene. We would go back to it. And I'm not a math teacher. I don't know if that's like an essential standard or not. But we wouldn't just give up. Right? We would keep working. And we would find experts to help. 
Um, and so finding ways in your school day to teach behaviors is something to really think about. Um, students need both freedom and structure. It's a fluffy sentence that, of course, we can agree on. Uh, I think most of us would agree that kids should be in stuff besides just math class and Bible class. They should, they should be human beings, right? They should have time to eat lunch. I remember in high school, we had 18 minutes to eat lunch. It was like you're just stuffing your face. It was worse for the teachers than it was for the kids, right? But that was when I went to school. Um, students deserve access to their teachers, of course. Um, we aren't all good at the same things. A very obvious statement. Um, even those of us who are really good in science, there's some point when you need help. right? If you think back to college, probably I was a Spanish major. Uh, there was a time where I was overwhelmed. I, had, I got a Spanish tutor for a little bit, right? just because... I needed, I needed a push. I needed a little help. <clears throat> so we don't want to assume that those top kids never need help. Right? Uh, struggling students don't always struggle. And that's the same as this statement. We don't want to assume that just because a student is a struggler, that they always struggle. Right? They may hear your lesson and nail it. Right? Um, teachers are, I want to be careful with the word the best. But um, teachers are the best ones to help struggling students. I guess I'd say it this way. Um, if you are a math teacher, you have a degree in math, in teaching math. Um, you're the professional. You should work with our most struggling students. I know when I taught, uh, there was kind of this feeling in our school that I was going to teach and the, the kids that really, really struggled were going to go somewhere else later, and somebody else was going to help them, rather than they were all my kids, and I had to own their learning. Um, can we agree that it's easier to help students that have the same need? For example, let's say this was a math classroom, and you came back for help, um, and some of you were algebra, some were geometry, some were algebra 2, some were... Pre-calculus, and I was the math teacher, and I had to try to help you. Um, even if there's five people in a room with different needs, it's hard for a teacher to help them. Right? It's when we get targeted, and there's 30 people even in a room that all need the same support, that's when we have success. Right? So we want to be careful not to just put kids in a room with D's and math. What are we going to do? Just magically undo them because they're in my room, right? Uh, we, we need targeted support. Uh, students who've mastered standards shouldn't just sit there or get to watch YouTubes or whatever that may be. We should push them, right? We should give them extensions. We should teach them leadership skills. We should get them involved in other things that will challenge them uh, that they can grow with. Anybody that wants to throw one of those out and say, hey, wait a minute. What do you think? And we'll have extra time to do that, too, if, if you want to. Okay, so we're going to think now about the parts of a daily schedule that those things we just agreed on might push us towards. Uh, and some of these, I'm going to say, are more important than others. Um, so we agreed that we should have time for chapel and that our spiritual formation time should align with our values. Uh, one of the things that we were really convicted of... Um, 
Chapel should be chapel. It should be, I don't want to say the same every time. It shouldn't be the same every time, but it should be very focused on uh, worship, on community, on um, growing in our knowledge, preparing us to, to go out and to, um, to learn about the Bible and about God. Uh, and one thing that we recognize is that there's spiritual practices um, that were important in our school that just weren't chapel. Um, that maybe they can be, but we very much felt, to be honest, we felt yucky about calling them chapel. It didn't necessarily send the right message to parents. Um, but so what we did is we, we shortened our chapel time and we added something that we call community time. And in that community time, we'll do a variety of things. We'll, um, it's 20 minutes, we'll have small groups. So every adult is attached to 12 students. And um, we'll meet, and we'll just talk life. We'll talk. We'll reflect on chapel. We'll we'll do whatever. We'll play games. We'll get to know each other. Uh, we will have school-wide celebrations. We'll um, we'll have a pep rally. We will uh, we'll do things that make us a living, active community. Um, and so it's it's something to consider. I think our chapel before was 50 minutes, and it was. It was hard for me to stay awake by the end. You know, it just, it was too long. And so to think about what do you value and are we using our spiritual time for that? Okay, if we agree on the fact that all of us should collaborate, what's not fair is to say, teachers, you got to give up your lunch to collaborate. You need to stay after school to collaborate. Or be, I shouldn't say you never have to stay after school, but that you're going to do stuff outside of contracted time. Um, and so considering a late start, this is obviously easier for high school, really hard for elementary school, I recognize that. Um, maybe this should say, consider a fixed time in your schedule for teacher collaboration, right? Rather than consider a late start. Um, but all of us should collaborate, right? It's one of the, the most research-based strategies for increasing student learning is teacher collaboration. I remember when I started teaching in 1999, I, I got lucky if I found somebody's stuff on the photocopier. You know, I would like be like, oh, I've got this extra worksheet. Um, and so we want to maintain teacher autonomy, but we also want to be focused on what our expectations are for kids and be on the same page. Uh, if you're a parent, You've probably felt like you won or lost the teacher lottery for your kid, depending on which teacher your son or daughter got, right? And so there's some things that we should be rock-solidly aligned on, not being the same person. We're all different. We have different gifts. We teach differently. Um, but at least weekly, you should get with somebody that you teach the same stuff as, and you should talk about... What are what are we what's the really important stuff and not what are our promises to kids and parents this week? They will learn, and all kids means all kids, right? Not just the smart kids. What are the things that every student's going to learn? They can't all learn everything, but what's the non-negotiable? How are we going to figure out if that happened? Right? What's our assessment look like? Data is kind of a dirty word, I know. But what's, what's the evidence? How do we know that those kids know that really important stuff? Uh, what's our response going to be if they don't? Uh, you shouldn't have to do that alone. You shouldn't have to answer these questions without a team. 
how we're stronger together, it's how we learn uh, as teachers, right? We learn from those that did it better, right? I had three kids that found the quiz, and you had 20, so I must have done something a little differently to get my students to at this different level. Uh, and then that fourth question, how are we going to respond if kids already know this, right? If, if we're teaching something that everybody knows, we better figure out how to do something differently. So this is the focus of our collaboration time. It's not uh, what are we going to lesson plan. It's what's the goal of the course, right? How do we assess it, and how do we respond? And then we can figure out, we, we share a lesson plan, sure, but there's no requirement in our school that you teach it the same way. It's that you have the same assessments, the same learning goal, and you've decided you're rock solid on what are we promising parents. It's a whole other talk on collaboration. Um, if we agree on that we should educate the whole child, we don't all enjoy, we're not all fired up by the same things, students deserve some choice, um, then we should think about, and this is more of a high school thing maybe, maybe a middle school thing, but the number of course carriers that we offer, the number of periods in a day in a schedule that we have. Um, and I will admit, I was a big resistor of this. We used to have seven periods and we went to eight. Um, and it's, it's a game changer for us as a school, the flexibility that we're able to have, the things kids are able to do that they couldn't do in a seven period class. Um, so when you have six or seven periods, there's not a lot of choice, right? You could look at graduation requirements, school requirements, state requirements, and there's, there's just not a lot left. And I'm junior, senior year, there's, there's some stuff left. Um, but eight carriers allows us to offer unbelievable things, just stuff that I wish I had the opportunity to take when I was in high school, um, to, to branch out, to find our gifts, uh, to do internships, to, uh, to go down an engineering path, if you love engineering, to have a Spanish immersion program, um, to dive deep into business, uh, or just to get this very broad liberal arts approach to everything that we find out what we enjoy. And so having more options for kids um, is important. Now obviously what happens um, is you have shorter class periods. Right? You don't get as many teaching minutes in a week. So we've, got to, we've got to reconcile that. Um, for the smart kids, we found out it makes no difference. And I'm, again, by saying the smart kids, that's not the right way to say it. But for kids that are good in math, it really doesn't make that big of a difference if you have 220 minutes or 150 minutes in a week. Um, so, uh, one, one other thing, it's for students that struggle, it's allowed us to fill some of those carriers with essential skills that you, you can't do world history if you can't read. You can't do biology if you can't read. So we're, we're scratching our heads as to why kids are failing biology. Um, they're reading at a third grade level. So let's not waste our time. Let's pour into their reading level and then we can catch them up because we've got eight carriers for their whole high school careers, right? Um, things we, should, we agreed on already. Some students won't do a lot of work at home. Accountability is really important. Uh, grades represent what students know and can do rather than behaviors. We have to teach behaviors. And students need some freedom and some structure. 
Uh, and so we have uh, implemented a freshman skills and a sophomore skills class that are required for all ninth graders, all 10th graders. Um, and it's half class, half study hall. Um, so students need time. We believe in the day, if you have a rigorous curriculum, most kids need some time in the day to just simply work. Right? They need focused, quiet, structured time, access to support if they need it. Um, but we also need a place to teach those things that have really been frustrating us. Um, so students that don't turn in work on time, uh, students that are not organized, um, students that don't know how to um, regulate themselves, um, lessons on diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, um, things about... Uh, I mean, you, you name it. If there's behaviors that frustrate you in your school, we have to ask ourselves, where are we teaching and intervening in those behaviors? Do we have a place where we do that, or do we just continue to be frustrated because kids do this or this? It doesn't mean discipline's not important. <clears throat> we just know most kids don't want to misbehave. They just don't have the skills that they need to do the things we're asking them to do. I have a question. Yeah. Do you guys have a curriculum for that that you found that somebody made that everyone's doing, or what does that look like? Yeah, it's in progress. So we have a team um, that has been working on it, right? So this was this is our first year of sophomore skills. So we spent a couple years. What we used to do is basically every student was in what we called responsibility period. So whether you were a ninth, tenth, eleventh, or twelfth grader, you were in this massive study hall, and. Um, we did have support available, so we have, a, I think, a pretty cool peer tutoring program. Um, we have a writing center that if kids are working on writing, um, you know, we had support available, but the reality was it just wasn't structured enough for kids that didn't have the skills that we're frustrated about to do the things we really wanted them to do. Um, and so we needed structure it a little more, and so our juniors and seniors now are in that responsibility period. And our freshmen and sophomores are in these classes with curriculum. So we've built our own. Our counselors had a lot of input into it. Um, from a hiring standpoint, the really cool thing, too, that this has done from a high school, if you're, teach, if you're in Michigan, um, it's kind of a weird thing, but we, we can um, employ people through shared time. And so it's this whole weird thing that some of you won't believe is real. Um, but we've been able to hire really unique uh, people that maybe weren't the perfect fit for a science job, but they're going to add in a lot of other areas in the life of our school. They're going to coach in athletics, or they're going to do debate. Uh, they may be the perfect person to supervise parts of the building. Um, and so we've been able to add like five faculty members, because we, you know, there's a lot of sections here when you have all ninth and all 10th graders in skills classes. And so we've brought in some people that add to our school, uh, that help teach these skills. So our curriculum's in progress, um, but I know they'd love to love to share what they're working on. Um, it's great too to be able to. We're a school that we've tried to say the grade represents learning, right? It doesn't represent how early you turned in a project or homework. It doesn't, you know, if you, if you did homework, you don't get points as a currency. The homework is there to help you practice so you learn. If you show us you learn, your grade goes up. And so accountability is really hard in that system. Right? Because accountability, the way most of us know it, is I'm going to nail you with a zero. Right? Give you that zero, and you're going to take it. Um, well, the same kid keeps getting zeros, right? It doesn't really work. 
Uh, but in these skills classes, our teachers pull up a missing assignment report, and they make them do the work. Right? That's true accountability. Not you get a zero. You have to do the math assignment. Well, I don't want to. Take it out. Do it. I don't have a pen. Here's a pen. I don't have a book. Here's a book. I can't do it. Here's a peer tutor. Do it. Right? That's accountability, not a zero. Um, and so there's lots of things that filled holes for us here in our system. It's not perfect, like I just made it sound. Um, you mentioned peer, I guess, partnerships. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more how that's set up? Yeah. How that's structured and is it flexible throughout the year? Yeah, so we have peer tutors and peer mentors. Um, peer mentors are for a student that just is really, really struggling. So we'll take our superstar juniors and seniors that may have something in common with a freshman, sophomore, and pair them so that during this skills or responsibility time, they're just together the whole time. And the mentor walks through it with them, right? Looks at what's due, why do you think you're struggling in this area? And oftentimes it's like a kid that the younger kid wants to be like, right? They want to emulate, uh, whether it's through athletics or whatever that may be. A peer tutor, we have our National Honor Society students are our peer tutors. So they're in these classes with the students, but they're just designated as peer tutors. And they've all um, they've been trained and they've all identified their strengths. And so, you know, if a student just needs help with one homework assignment or one problem of math, they can go to the teacher and say, hey, I can't do this math problem. Is there a peer tutor that can help me? The supervisor looks at the list of peer tutors, finds a math, student matches them up. Okay, so the mentor ideally would stick with them throughout the year. Yes, yeah, at least a semester. Okay. Yeah. Yep. The mentor is much rarer. It's hard to find a student that's going to give up that much time. Yeah. Um, totally. Okay, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but. Um, if we believe that kids are humans and need time to eat lunch, um, they should have access to their teachers. Some type of office hours, right, where they can get to a teacher to say, hey, I was sick yesterday. Um, I don't know what's going on. I don't need like a 30-minute reteach. I just, just need a quick question. Um, and so we have one lunch a week that's a little bit longer, and it's, four, so it's 40 minutes, and it's lunch, right? So they go to the cafeteria, eat lunch, but then teachers have to be in their rooms, and students can drop by anywhere. So there's kids that just love certain teachers, and they just go hang out in their rooms. It's not the design, but um, it works well. Uh, this is also a good time to have club meetings, student congress meetings, um, we do some intramurals or open gym stuff then. Um, so I think, you know, how long you have to eat is a consideration. Etc. Etc. Oh, yeah. What does the teachers on that? Like, do they enjoy that time? Or do they yeah, I, I will be honest. We're, I'll talk about the other way we use something attached to lunch that's much more effective. This is, I'm going to say, 10 percent of our kids go to office hours, if that. So it's really, it's my least favorite day to supervise the halls. So I'll be completely honest. Like it's long, um, and so there is a little wrestle there of whether it's worth it. Yeah. Um, no, like pushback of like we need this time for lunch. And you... No, they get they get a twenty minute lunch on that day, and then they're there for office hours. The reality is, 
it's it's rare that kids go. So it's nice the way our building is set up. They're in their departments in like a um, commons area, and so they actually usually use that time to meet with their teams anyway. And then if a kid, kid needs something, they all grab them. But um, I don't I don't want to dive into this too much. Uh, how many of you have seen something like this before? This feels like edu speak. I know to. Um, feels public schooly, maybe. But when we talk about RTI, um, we talk about this pyramid of support, okay? And so we think of it in tiers. We think tier one, tier two, and tier three. So tier one is what everybody gets. Every single kid in our school is going to get this. Good, good teaching. Um, Access to the help desk, maybe, if you're a one-to-one school. Um, chapel, the freshman software skills classes we just talked about. There's certain things that you provide for all students, right, that should be good to spur on their learning. Um, tier two are things that there needs to be something that signals to us that you need more. Okay, so some reason... Uh, and we want to be careful. These are not labels. This, you know, we, when we first started talking like this, we'd say like that's a tier two kid, or that's a tier three kid. That's that's really damaging. Um, all of us have been all these things at some point. So this doesn't define who they are. We're providing tier two or tier three supports. Um, tier three is we've tried a lot of stuff. Now we've got to bring in all hands on deck and really diagnose. There's got to be something inherent with um, reading, writing, uh, basic number sequence, um, language learning, um, something else is going on here. So when we look at these kinds of supports, we would say there's some things where teachers, and at our school we don't say teachers, we say teacher teams are going to take the lead. It's the teacher responsibility to fix it. Right to go through this process. Right, I tried this. Now we tried this. All this stuff in red. There's things that it's not the teacher's responsibility. Thinking more behavior, accountability. Not that they wouldn't have a role there. Not that we're we're not going to partner. But for us, it's been helpful to identify who's taking the lead. Uh, because, like I said, for me in our school before. I was teaching, I felt like it was somebody else's job to do this. I was a good teacher, so when I taught, there were some kids that didn't get it. it must be their fault, right? Or it must be somebody else's problem. And I'm, I'm being crass. I love those students, but there was some educational support specialist that was going to fix my problems. Right? It was almost like their job was to take it off my plate. Um, and so we want to fight against that. Not that we don't partner with them, but that's going to happen later on. So maybe the biggest challenge of this talk, um, if our right, our, our missions are probably, you know, your, your mission statement is probably something about preparing, ours is preparing kids to be effective servants of Christ in contemporary society. We do that through learning. We're learning institutions, right? We're not a church. Um, we're a school. Schools are places where kids learn, and we believe that kids can learn. All kids can learn the most important stuff. And so, what are we doing here? Right? When we work in our teams and we say, 
What are we going to teach? How are we going to know they've learned it? And what are we going to do when they don't learn it? Question three, this is question three. What are we going to do if we give a quiz on something really important? And there's kids that don't know it. What, how are we going to respond? Right? And right now, most schools in our country don't have any plan for that. And it's not their fault. It's just the way school's always been. Right? School is traditionally to rank and sort kids, not to make sure all kids learn. And so how do we build time in a day that answers question three when you collaborate? What do we do if kids don't know it? And you can't, this is really important, you can't fix everything. You cannot help every student learn everything. Not happening, right? Unless we have like through grades 24 or something. Um, but we can help all kids learn essential stuff. So you can think about whatever your area of expertise is. There's stuff that's more important than others. I was a Spanish teacher. I can right away put stuff in this category. If they don't know this, they're not going on to the next unit with success. If they can't do this, they're not going on to year two with success. Um, my, my nine-year-old struggles to, with reading. There better be somebody doing this with him in third grade. We're pretty good in elementary schools typically at this. And then... For some reason, as we get into middle school and high school, we think it's like on the kid. Like they're not trying hard enough, or they don't care enough, or the parents aren't. You can't plan on parents. Maybe we should partner with parents, don't get me wrong. But our job isn't to teach. Our job is for students to learn. And that's a fundamental shift that still, again, in our teacher's lounge, we need, we need to invent and complain about kids and parents. I, that's... But our job is that we have evidence that kids have learned, not that we have evidence that we taught it. Right? So that shift is what we're talking about right here. How do we respond when inevitably, whether it's because they're not good at math, or because they broke up with their girlfriend the night before, or their dog died, or they're sick, or they had bad um, math teaching five years ago that produced this gap, there's a million reasons why even if you knock it out of the park in your lesson, they don't get it. And so how do we, and one of those reasons is they're lazy, and they just need to be held accountable. And that's, that's why we talked about like that skills class or something where we have that accountability built in. It is, research would say it's pretty rare that kids don't want to do well. It's pretty rare, right? And it's pretty rare that it's just that a kid is lazy. Um, so, if we agree that we're not all good at the same thing all the time, we all are going to struggle, right? Maybe our most popular intervention session is our AP calculus. It's because those kids want so badly to learn, but how cool is that, that our best math students in the school are always trying to learn more? Um, because we all can, right? Um, struggling students don't always struggle. Right, so fighting against that, if you're, if you're weak, we're going to put you down a class. Right? We're all weak sometimes. We're all good sometimes. Right? Um, it's easier to help students who have the same need, and students who've mastered standards deserve enrichment. Okay, so um, how much time do we have here? We've got about 15 minutes, is that right? So I would encourage you to consider some type of 
of flexible time in your day. Different schools call this different things. Um, we call ours focus period because we're focusing in on something very specific in each room around the school. Um, some schools call it a, a win period, what I need. Uh, some schools just call it flex, some call it advisory. How many of you have something now built in? Um, so few of you, right? That's great. Um, but the answer to question three, how are we going to respond when students don't know it? If you don't, if you can't answer that question, you can't prompt, you, you shouldn't have to give up your lunch, first of all. You shouldn't win the teacher lottery if you happen to get the teacher that will help you at lunch. Um, so, anyway, we want to consider time in the day, built-in time for enrichment and intervention. Student by student, standard by standard, learning target by learning target. We want to be laser-like focused on the thing that we're working on. Right? We, I, we don't have a lot of time to tell you through our Grand Christian's progression, but we started with just office hours. We had a hoity-toity consultant come in and work on our schedule, and he said, if you treat them like adults, they will come. So we had office hours, like college. And every teacher went to the room for office hours. Um, and who do you think went to office hours? You can probably guess. The, the, the top students, right? The ones that got 99 on the test and were really angry and they wanted 100. We were literally chasing kids through the halls trying to get them to go to office hours, right? It just didn't happen. So we started to research what does it mean to do intervention well? I mean, so we started to require that certain kids went to these intervention times. The problem with that, only requiring some and not others, was it was this haves and have-nots. Um, we have, we're a school that about 40% of our incoming freshmen are non-traditional feeder school students. And they, you know, we, we haven't taught them math and reading and history and Bible in eighth grade. So naturally, especially when they first come to our school, there's going to be a gap. Not that they just, not that they weren't served well before, but we just, we have some catch-up to do. And so it turned into this, the smart kids get to hang out longer, and the new kids have to go to intervention time or whatever. So, so we continued to have some issues with that, um, and we really wrestled with how do we create a system where all kids are growing in some way. Everybody's doing something. Um, and so we decided as we researched intervention, uh, we needed what we would call a flex period or a focus period. Um, we now do it four times a week, right? and I'll show you a little bit more of the specifics. Um, but when you, when you research intervention, one thing is clear. Kids won't go unless they have to. I shouldn't say all won't go, but the vast majority of, of them won't go. Uh, they're not ready to make decisions in their best interest. Their frontal lobes are not developed to the, to the point where they see the end result of them going to this session. Right? So it's got to be adult-driven. So for us, first the, first the adults in the school pick. Who goes where? And if they don't go somewhere, then the kids get to pick. And if the kids don't pick, then they're made to go somewhere else to default. Right? That's kind of our, our tiered system. Okay? So this is the way our schedule looks. I don't want to spend a ton of time. Again, this is not right for you. Whatever you value, the things that are most important to your school. But I'll point out some of the things that we just talked about. Uh, two days a week, we have late starts. So kids come at 8.30. 
Our teachers collaborate in their teams. So if you teach geometry, you're sitting with your geometry team and you're talking about what, are, what do we want kids to know and be able to do? How do we know they've learned it? How are we going to respond when kids don't learn essential stuff? If they already know it, how are we going to extend it? Right? So Monday and Wednesday, we have late start. We have office hours, which is just staffs available Friday morning, so we also have a late start, and Wednesday lunch. So this creates this business lunch that's a little longer, where kids can just act like adults a little bit, have more time to have a meeting, hang out, whatever. Um, we have chapel every Tuesday morning, 35 minutes. We found that to be a really good length. Uh, we have community time Thursday morning. That's the time when we do small groups or we do um, a school celebration. We do this thing called Eagle Spotlight where we like tell the student body about some cool things happening with students that would normally get celebrated, like not athletic stuff, not play stuff, but other things in the community. A variety of things that happen there. Sometimes it's praise and worship only, you know, 20 minutes of just singing, whatever it may be. Um, these four days, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, we have focus period. So every day here after lunch, except Wednesdays, when the bell rings, kids go wherever they've been assigned to go, or wherever they chose to go if they weren't assigned. So everyone goes somewhere to do something cool, <laughs> hopefully, uh, during that time. Yeah. So is, uh, is focus period in the afternoon intentionally, or is that, is that just where it fit best? It, it's where it fit best for our school. Um, there are some schools I know that do it at different times. We, we use it also, and we have some days in the morning and some in the afternoon. Um, and just depending on where the kids are. Yeah. I could see the benefits of morning. There's some logistical things for us. Like we have kids that go to... Um, KCT's like skills, like tech-based stuff that, you know, they get back at a certain time. Um, we like having this time for kids and teachers to lock kids in, and then they check here, and then they go. So, no, you can put it anywhere. Yeah, I just didn't know if it was, like, intentional, like, it worked best for, yeah. got the most success out of the afternoon, or... No, during COVID, we would do half and half. So we'd do lunch, half would go to lunch, the other half would go to focus, and we'd flip. Some schools still do that. So this is where your, your shared time teachers cover those classes, right? No. This is this is every adult in the building. I shouldn't say every adult. Every teacher and most adults are, are leading some enrichment or intervention session on their class or on something in the life of the school. Our chapel band is practicing. Um, we have colleges and universities come. The counselors let kids sign up. You know, they don't want to go to Calvin. They want to go to Notre Dame. They come and talk. Um, you know, we have... NHS meetings, we have kids in the greenhouse, we have kids planning for, um, you know, whatever it may be. Tons of cool stuff going on. Um, what you're asking about are freshman, sophomore skills classes. Those are just classes. So I might have freshman skills first period. So I have it first thing, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Tuesday, Thursday. Our schedule's kind of hard to figure out. It's a 10-day rotating schedule. So you you see every kid five times in 10 days. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday. So every other day, you always go to the opposite. Um, that's what works well for us. Doesn't mean that's what's for you. But yeah, those skills classes, they could meet any time, right? So we have a freshman skills or sophomore skills class, just a class. 
Um, so we call it focus period, and again, there's some other schools that are using it. Um, one of the things I did in curriculum was we just it was really hard for us to figure out how to manage this. Um, so I actually had a then just former student write an app. So we have an app that we use, and it's gone really well. Um, all adults, all students have the same app. Looks a little different for students, but basically you open it up, and um, if you're an adult, you create a session, right? So it might be called, um, it might have, well, I'll, I'll, I'll show you a little bit more about the app. That's, if, if you're interested, I'm happy to chat more about that. But I want to talk a little bit more about what we know about interventions, like what does research tell us is going to be good. Uh, it has to be systematic, so it can't be random. It can't, it's not going to live if you just randomly get together with kids at random times. Right? Um, it needs to be timely. So there's some schools that will do like a monthly intervention. Those of us that teach, it's got to be now. Right? Um, I mean, it sounds crass, but we're moving on. Right? And the further behind they get, the harder it is. So we need now. Um, it needs to be administered by a trained professional. So this, again, um, we, we have amazing tutors in our school. And sometimes kids will say to teachers, I'm going to wait for my tutor to do this. And we've trained the teachers to say, I'm the best tutor you'll ever have. I have a master's degree in teaching math. <laughs> Do it. Don't wait. Um, but training our teachers, you should work with our most struggling students. You're the best person. There's others that will walk alongside you and support. It needs to be directed, so it has to be mandatory. It can't be optional. We want them to want to do it. I'm sorry. They, they don't. They're kids. They won't go. Um, they won't do it if we don't make them. But one important thing is that we've been able to change the culture of it's not embarrassing to need help, right? This sends the message, everybody needs help at some point. It's just, mistakes are awesome, right? Because now we know what you don't know. Um, I've seen some powerful, you know, like in, a, in an admin role, we get to sit in classrooms. Uh, I don't have. My first experience in a math class as an administrator when I was doing curriculum, I sat next to this kid, um, and he was new to Grand Christian, student of color. Uh, so he already, you know, was thinking, do I belong here? And I sit next to him, he gets his quiz back, he got 14 out of 40, right? Slumps down in his chair, folds over the quiz, um, was checked out the whole rest of the class. So after class, I talked to the teacher to try to figure out what would happen next with the student, and... She said, well, it's going to go in the grade book. You know, 14 out of 40, he's at a really low E, and he will be for a while. Um, but if he, if he aces the test, he could get back into the C range, you know. Uh, I'm like, oh, can you tell me what, you know, what did he do wrong? And I, I can't remember exactly, but it was something like he flipped the X and Y axis or something that, you know, if you make one mistake, it's going to destroy you. I said, well, do you think he now knows that standard or whatever. And you think, it's like, oh yeah, I'll never forget that. I'm sure he's got this now. Okay, so you're telling me he's at a low E, you think he knows the material, and it's physically impossible for him to ever get an A in class, and we're in week two. Like, what are we doing? We're crushing kids. Um, flip that script, right? You give a quiz. And before the quiz, you say, hey, this is our first shot at this. Some of you got it, and we're going to celebrate if you got it. Some of you don't, and we're going to celebrate if you don't, because we're going to work together, and we're going to figure it out. Right? And then that 14 out of 40, 
you're, you're no longer slumped. You're sitting up in your chair. You're like, oh, I got this. I'm going to nail the test. Right? I know this stuff. We, we've, we've literally committed educational malpractice when we put that 14 out of 40 in the grade book. Focus period gives us a chance to bring the kid back and say, hey, we're going to work on this. No worries. I know you can do this. And then the kid sees the benefit of his work, that efficacy of if I actually try, I improve versus I'm worthless. Um, anyway, that was my random grading aside there. But uh, it needs to be research-based. Whatever you're going to do, work, talk as a team. Like, what do you think is going to be best? And it needs to be targeted. This is really important. Um, you want to be focused. Everybody that's coming to my room today is working on regular AR verb endings. Whatever that may be. You're working on writing a thesis statement. You're not working on raising your math grade. Because if we get 20 kids in a room with different issues, we're not going to raise math grades. Every kid's going to get one minute of help. Right? So it's targeted. I just told you all that. Basically, the way our sessions work, um, we do cool stuff, right, for intervention. We're, that's the main purpose is intervention. We're reassessing, um, we're doing reteach, uh, we're responding to formative assessments, but we're also doing cool enrichment, right? We're, we're doing extra labs, we're doing clubs, we're doing faith development, Bible studies, chapel band. Um, I get to meet with student leaders, they're in the greenhouse. Um, they're watching TED Talks. They're meeting with colleges. Uh, we have career people come in and talk, right? So cool, cool stuff uh, that you can be doing. We have clubs, organizations, lots of things that add to the life of the school. Um, so, again, I, we don't need to go into how the app works. If, if that interests you, um, it is something that's fun for me to do on the side, to work with schools, and to think about how you can manage this. It's not how you manage it. It's just that you do that time, right? That you have time to answer question three in your schedule. What if they don't get essential stuff? What are we going to do? So, I think we're out of time. Um, this is the other thing I would really ask you to consider. Change is hard. And especially if you're a building administrator, change doesn't go well if you just say it's going to happen. Right? So a school leadership team that meets regularly to say, what, are our, what, are, what do we consider to be best practice? What's our current reality? How do we use our resources to move us forward? My first five years as principal, I would have sunk without this team, without teacher leaders by my side agreeing on where we're going. If they go back to their teams and say, this is what we're doing. Not me, them. So. Okay, sorry for the example. Thank you.